Hello, my magical friends. My name's Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 131st time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. We have some news, and I've watched some things, and then we'll get to today's topic. So let's get started. So first, in the news, there have been quite a few announcements regarding comic releases and re-releases. So Yen Press and Kodansha made announcements over the weekend. It looks like we'll soon see English printed releases of Puella Magi Suzune Magica in omnibus form and The Magical Girl Incident, as well as a reprint of Magic Knight Ray Earth in English, which has been near impossible to find these days, so I know fans are very excited for this one. Also, Symphigear released a teaser promotion saying a new project was in the works. There is no real information as to what type of project it will be or anything like that, but in the promotional video, the titles of the five seasons were displayed backwards and finished up with the tagline, To the Ends of a World Yet Unseen. While we don't know what this all means, it's very exciting to know we'll be getting more Symphigear. <laughs> now, let's move on to what I've been watching. So I haven't finished anything this week, but I did watch the latest Delicious Party Precure. This week, as well as last week especially, were both very fun episodes. We're getting to, you know, the beginning of the end with our kind of final wrap-ups for our episodes for each main character. It's been very exciting to see where everything goes. And yeah, I just think that it's been really um, exciting as well to see just that we're getting really into lore and things like that as well. So yeah, I'm just excited. <laughs> and Rizusta Top of Artists also happened uh, last weekend this week. And they were both interesting episodes focusing on two of the five characters of the dance group Rizusta's Shines. At this point, I'm starting to feel, especially as I enter the world of Aikatsu and Pretty Rhythm on the side, I feel that what Rizostar is is really something more akin to Aikatsu where there's this kind of technological thing as opposed to really something that's actually kind of magical. So for that reason, I've decided I am no longer going to talk about Rizostar on the podcast. I do want to mention as well that Pretty Rhythm, I do think so far from what I've watched, I do feel like there is a uh, fair argument for it being a magical girl series but for Aikatsu I do not feel the same way but that's enough of that that's everything else and I think we should hurry up and get to today's topic because we have a long chat for you today So, you know, as always, whenever I think the average magical girl person uses the phrase classic magical girl, they're often referring to the 90s, which I understand because it's what folks grew up with, especially if they are millennials such as myself. But, you know, that's covering the second half of the history of magical girls. So when I say classical magical girls, I am talking about the 60s and 70s. And I just wanted to clarify that in case anyone was unaware, as I say, we're going into the classics today. Um, so we are getting to a pretty 
big one, all things considered. And definitely when it comes to the classic Magical Girls, I feel like this one is quite underrated in the West. It does have its fair share of releases in dub form. And we do talk about that in this episode as well. But I feel like Majoko Megujan is not really well known, all things considered, which is really interesting because I do think that this is a very significant series to the genre. Now, there is no spoiler point for today's episode because we are only going to talk about the first third of the series uh, up to episode 27. And when I say we, I am talking about myself and Salvatore, who has been on in the past to talk about Cutie Honey and he is back to discuss this series as well. Of course, he is known for being a big fan of the classic Magical Girls, and it was really delightful to get his input on this, especially considering his, um, not lack of knowledge per se, but lack of interest in the later Magical Girls, the stuff that is past what the average person calls classic. And it is interesting also for the reason that we get into in this episode that there is a more modern series that is very, very connected to this one that I think most listeners of the podcast probably have watched if they are a big Magical Girl fan. So again, there's no real spoiler warning necessary for this episode since we don't talk about the show in full. We just get through the first third or so. But I did want to definitely give some warnings for the show. Um, Due to the nature of the show being a little scandalous at times, there is a fair amount of uh, sexualization of Megu, our protagonist. And also there is this constant pursuit of her from the one of the uh, antagonists of the series, who is definitely an adult man, despite the fact that she is a teenager. And of course, we talk about that in detail in some of the particular episodes where this gets particularly bad. And yeah, as far as if you're watching the show for yourself and also just uh, for anyone going in blind to this conversation, this series does contain a lot of different instances of death. But in particular, as we'll talk about today, there are instances of suicide as well as attempted murder and just uh, dealing with death and the afterlife as well. So if you are sensitive to those topics, please keep that in mind before you listen. Otherwise... We can jump into today's very lengthy chat about the first third of Madoko Megujan with Salvatore. <laughs> here to talk about the first arc of Majoko Megu-chan from 1974 and I'm delighted to bring back one of our classic Magical Girl moguls so can you please introduce yourself? Hey everybody I'm Salvatore aka Retro Sofa aka the biggest cutie honey fan on earth. <laughs> yes and there will be a little bit of cutie honey in today's episode I suppose but um <laughs> So before we get into Megu-chan, um, what have you been enjoying in the genre since your last time on the podcast? So we talked about this briefly, but I finally, finally, after years, watched all of Marvelous Melmo. <laughs> yeah. So how was it for you, like, finally getting through it all? It was a little bit torturous. Well, it was, it's funny <laughs> how time flies, because I've always known about Melmo. I've seen episodes, like, on and off throughout my, like otaku life and um like 
two years ago, I think, I sat down. I'm like, I'm going to watch it all. And I watched like a couple episodes and it was like kind of hard for me just because I think I told you this too. I can only find the renewal version where they like mm-hmm. re-recorded everything. Right. And it's just so distracting because it sounds so cheap. So I like paused it and then I keep on thinking to go back to it. Like it's like, you know, it's it's set aside. And then I forgot why I got back into it, but I was like, oh, it's been two years. And then I, I sat down and I just, I watched it. Like I'd watched like, two or three episodes a night the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. so yeah and it, that was that still the renewal version of it yeah it was still the renewal version uh somebody did upload the original episodes but there's yes. only like a handful so i think there was like mm-hmm. a couple that i did watch and then i would sometimes i would compare because as you know they like reanimate certain scenes and it's like really obvious yeah. so sometimes i would try to like compare the two and it was, it was fun it was a fun experience at least Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's definitely a kind of interesting um look at like i guess animation history because even now like the the updated stuff looks dated because they did it in the 90s so it's yeah. like mostly 70s animation with a little bit of 90s sprinkled here and there <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then um what did you think of like i guess the content of melmo generally aside from the animation aspect so I think it's really cool. I think as like a concept, it's good. I like that it was educational. Like I like that it was about sex education. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was it was very, very silly because it'll, it'll happen out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden, like Melmo would, will be like, I don't know, trying to like rescue her kid brother or something. And then she'll turn into a fish and then talk to fish and it'll explain how fish reproduce. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It had a very kind of like magic school bus type of vibe to it. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. But I thought I thought it was really cool. I am totally down for them to make a new Melmo that's like updated to talk about like, you know, newer issues. Mm-hmm. You know, because obviously some things were very dated that they were talking about in the show. But overall, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty, know, it was a good show. It was, you know, it was funny. It was goofy. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was like very educational like I was I was kind of like blown away I was like I can't believe they like really showed this on TV in the 70s but you know. yeah and and parents were not happy <laughs> yeah but yeah it's it is definitely a very interesting uh show and I think well the the comic reboot was kind of more of like a general love letter to Tessica works because like they have cameos from all his other series in it and then like none of the sex ed stuff and it's just melmo going on adventures and this time like it's like definitely reads more of like a girl series because like she has a cute outfit and you never see her underwear it's yeah (laughs) it's it's different like it's like just the magical girl stuff and none of the educational stuff i guess Mm -hmm. but yeah i do agree that like there is a way to do it like appropriately for a modern age and stuff and you know yeah yeah, and I think Magic School Bus, uh, actually, I was just thinking the other day about how Magic School Bus, like, Miss Frizzle is kind of a magical girl. <laughs> yeah. You know, with her own <laughs> item. And her problem is, you know, teaching, which is very relatable. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And um, is that kind of the main thing that you've been uh, watching that's, like, new for you these days? Yes. Yeah, that's the only thing. Obviously, I was I was rewatching some of Majoku Megu-chan to, like, get ready for this episode. Mm-hmm. was rewatching cutie honey like i always do <laughs> <laughs> of course and i think 
I know Travis and I watched like an episode of Sailor Moon um, hmm. like a few months ago uh, or two episodes. Yeah, it was for Usagi's birthday. We watched the birthday episodes for Sailor Moon and it was his first time seeing it and his reaction was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> so for, for anyone who doesn't know, who is Travis? <laughs> uh, Travis is my boyfriend. Okay. <laughs> he is very much like not an anime fan whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But he'll occasionally watch stuff with me. I just got done watching Teen Titans and Kolioka with him. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, because he's like revisiting stuff from his childhood. Mm-hmm. Teen Titans is great. I still like Teen Titans. Yeah, Kolioka, not so much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, it is like funny seeing his reaction to things like as an outsider. Like when he watched Sailor Moon, you know, that's when they like find out that Usagi is Sailor Moon, but not really because then Minako shows up dressed up as Sailor Moon. But uh, Travis was sitting there and he goes, wait, you mean to tell me they don't know that that girl with the pigtails is the other girl in the pigtails in the sailor uniform? He goes, this show is so stupid. He was so mad. (laughs) He was like, they don't recognize her. Yeah, I, I guess if you're not used to the uh, the formula, I mean, come on, it's just the Clark Kent situation, really. It's the same yeah, thing. How, no. do, how do people not know that Clark Kent is Superman, right? So it's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Pe- people get really hung up on that stuff. And I, for some reason, even as a kid, it didn't really bother me. Like, yeah, it'd be mm-hmm. cool if she looked a little different when she was Sailor Moon, but I, don't, I never mm-hmm. got, like, mad about it. I don't know. But I also, like, didn't think that, like, the stock animation was, like, that or anything i don't know but (laughs) yeah yeah i mean no definitely that's a that's a thing like obviously these days with when it comes to magical girl design there is that kind of assumption that like the design should look super different you know between civilian form and hero form but Mm -hmm. back then it wasn't so much and that's fine Yeah. (laughs) yeah But okay, cool. So in that case, I'm um, getting into Megu-chan. So again, Majoko Megu-chan or Little Witch Megu, also known sometimes as Meg or Maggie or Bia, depending on where you watched her, <laughs> is a 70s series. So it ran from 74 to 75 in Japan, totaling 72 episodes. But today we're just talking about the approximate first arc. So the first arc is 26 episodes, and we're going to also talk about episode 27, because you requested mm-hmm. that, and wanted to honor <laughs> that request. <laughs> and despite the fact that this, this did get localized in a ton of countries, there were seven episodes that never aired outside of Japan, and two of those are in this arc, so we'll talk about those later also. Um, but for our listeners who have not watched Megu, She's the main character, obviously. She's a witch from the magic world who has come to the human world to become more in tune with human emotions, with humanity in general, because she is a contender for the throne of witch world. And her mentor, Mami Kanzaki, bewitches her entire family into believing Megu is the eldest sister, which is still wild to think about but um she like (laughs) learns to treat them as her own family as well and you know gets friends and all that stuff uh meanwhile there is another candidate for the throne known go who tries to kill megu immediately when they meet for the first time (laughs) but then just becomes like a general rival who you know just they're just kind of a interesting balancing act and she's not really as interested in you know the humanity aspect of coming to the human worlds but 
Yeah, and then at the same time, there's another sorcerer that we see sneaking around named Cho-san, and he usually is sending out his henchman, a cat named Furu-Furu, and a crow named Crow slash Claw, question mark. <laughs> I understand people wanting to call him Claw, but I think it'd be very funny if he was a crow named Crow. Yeah. But they're always spying on, on the girls, but mostly Megu, because Cho-san's job is to sabotage both of them. But he also seems to really have a thing for Megu, which... We'll also talk about later. Um, (laughs) And also just generally, you know, one of the things about this uh, series that uh, we'll go more into depth in as we get through the conversation is just, um, you know, this is a series that also kind of plays in, I guess, kind of based on, I guess, the popularity of Cutie Honey, probably. um, It also has a lot of like sexualization of Megu, um, mostly showing her in like her undergarments when she's going to bed and stuff like that. But it's like, for the, in the grand scheme of things, a small thing, but it is there. So we'll get to it. But yeah, and I just want to point out before we get into things that when I was looking at stuff on Wikipedia, it claims that this series is also a big inspiration for Sailor Moon and um, Pretty Sammy and Wedding Peach. And even though I haven't watched Pretty Sammy, I don't understand where they're getting that connection exactly. And one thing that I don't see like mentioned pretty much anywhere that I think is really important for the history of magical girls is that like there's a very direct, very obvious influence, which is uh, Sugar Sugar Rune from the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you're you're familiar with Sugar Sugar Rune because I know you don't watch more like modern stuff but <laughs> it's like if you know Megu-chan um Sugar Sugar Rune is so obviously a like kind of predecessor of it whatever not predecessor the other one the uh descendant of it yes. um <laughs> yes <laughs> words are hard you know because like it's very similar in terms of like the goals of the characters and stuff but they're a little younger and their series is a little more toy friendly but uh, I guess the other thing I wanted to mention up top here is I believe Megu-chan is probably referenced in Precure, specifically in Doki Doki Precure, when they named the character of Cure Sword Makoto Kenzaki, based on their similar life situations. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so with all of that, um, <laughs> Salvador, <laughs> what is your history with Megu-chan? Uh, so with Megu-chan, this must have been around 2004, 2005, when I first got into Cutie Honey. I went to some anime fair. It wasn't an anime convention. It was some sort of like film festival. I forgot what it was called. Mm. It was in New York or it was in Tribeca. Okay. It wasn't exclusively anime. They had Japanese cinema there, but a good portion of it was anime related. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Toei Animation had a booth there and they had, they're giving away catalogs, which I, I still have one of them. And it was like their English catalog of like their titles. And they had a TV with like plushies around it. Like, I think there was like a Luffy and a Goku and, you know, like their popular shows at the time, which are probably still their popular shows. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, they aired all of these openings to their series. And it it was just really cool seeing all this stuff. Cause that's when I, that's when I really got into like old school animation. Cause before that I was like, everybody else was just watching whatever was new. Like it was watching Naruto. I was watching mm-hmm. love Hina. It's so embarrassing to say. Out loud. Oh my God. Uh, like yes. really, you know, things <laughs> like that. Anyway. So they're playing all these shows and that's kind of like where I discovered all of these old magical girls, like Chappie and Mako and them that Megu-chan came on and my first thought when it like came on was like, oh, this looks just like Cutie Honey. Like this, like it looks exactly like Cutie Honey. Mm-hmm. And 
it was funny. My niece was with me at the time. She was really little. She's probably like three or four. And she would watch Cutie Honey with me. And I remember her pointing to the TV. She goes, oh, look, it's honey. <laughs> you know, the resemblance is uncanny, which makes sense for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then I didn't get to watch Megu-chan until like a few years later. I had this um, sharing program called Emule. I don't know if anyone's familiar with Emule. I guess it's kind of like Kazaa or like BitTorrent or... I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't download anything illegally anymore. I'm too old. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that was kind of like the spot to download anime from Europe. So like, you know, so a lot of these shows were so popular in like Italy. So you would just download the Italian version. That's kind of like the mm-hmm. only way you could do it back then. Like that's how I watched Tokimeki tonight because you can only find the Italian dub. And so I downloaded the Italian dub of uh, Megachan. Via la uh, sfida della magia. If I'm saying that right, my Italian's terrible. But yeah, I, I downloaded like episodes and just watched them. I think the first episode I did watch was actually episode 27 because there's a cutie honey reference in that, which we'll get to later. Yes, there is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then eventually users were releasing the episodes with dual audio tracks. So I was able to watch it in Japanese or Italian. And so that's that's how I started watching uh, Megu-chan. I'm a pretty big fan. It's not quite up there with like the others, but you know, like I have like a known figure. I have like the manga. I would like the DVD is, but they're too expensive. But yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Um, did you notice anything? Like, did anything stand out for you when you were watching it in Italian that you think like might have affected your, I guess, experience of it? I'm curious. Not too much it was it was funny because it wasn't that censored you know because back then italian dubs usually didn't censor stuff i guess Mm -hmm. megu was probably dubbed around the time they were kind of like censoring more but not too much Mm -hmm. there's like some random scenes like there's a couple of parts where rabbi goes too far Mm -hmm. and they like cut those parts out infamously as you said there was like i think seven episodes that did not air in italy Mm-hmm. which caused those episodes not to air in um i think it was uh what other country in the portuguese dub is based off the italian dub oh interesting. so all those episodes that were skipped carried over i know that megachan was dubbed in spanish and french too but i don't know how far they got and i don't know if they censored or skipped episodes either but hmm. the italian and the and the Portuguese dubbed in. Mm. What I was what I was reading from you know scholarly journal Wikipedia um, was that they <laughs> that that basically those seven episodes just didn't get aired anywhere outside of Japan, and it kind of that would make sense if they were like following the Italian dubs. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, mm. it was also dubbed. They aired it in Hong Kong too. I think twice. Hmm. But there's, I've only seen like a like a small couple of clips in like the opening. But with the Italian dub, the thing that was funny was that they do keep in like most of the Japanese references, but then they change the names of the main characters, but only mm-hmm. like a few of them. So like Megu is Bia, Non is Noah, which makes sense because Non is like no Italian, yeah. so I didn't want to confuse uh, kids. And then Chosan became Choza, which I don't know why they changed that. Hmm. But everybody else is the same. Mommy is still mommy. Oh, and the, the family name is in Kanzaki. It's Japo, which is obviously a play on uh, Japone, <laughs> Japan. 
Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. as, as far as I know, the show still takes place in Japan, which is funny because you would think they would take advantage of the fact that the anime, like, so so obviously looks like Europe, even though it takes yeah. place in Japan. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is a weird town they live in. <laughs> yeah, no, and they nothing major is censored, as I said, and uh, the mm-hmm. music is kept the same. Hmm. Um, there's a couple of times where the theme song and the ending song play in the episodes and when they do they just leave an instrumental version Hmm. but then like singing in Japanese is usually left like the cutie honey scene in episode 27 that's like left as is so there's she's still singing in Japanese that's so interesting (laughs) yeah yeah the voice acting is really good Hmm. the woman who voices Bia She's done a lot of anime voice work. She went on to voice Ryoko and Tenchi Muyo. Mm. She did uh, Sirene in Devilman versus Mazinger Z. A bunch of others. She was also in the new Cutie Honey Italian dub. But yeah, I mean, she has a great voice. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely so. have to listen sometime. Definitely. I yeah. love I love checking out the differences in dubs for sure. <laughs> it's always interesting yeah. to see what they do. Yeah, I wish I could find more of the the other dub. Like I, I there was like a handful of like the Spanish episodes that I found which were black and white, which was really weird. Interesting. But like the French dub <laughs> I can't find. I think only the first episode of the French dub has surfaced. So I don't even know if it was fully dubbed or not. Hmm. Very interesting. So, yeah. yeah. I'm sure if any listeners know anything, they'll they'll uh, write in. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what do you think it is about Megachan that you love so much? Well, it's so funny. So I didn't realize this when I first watched it because it was, I think it was probably like the second Magical Girl show that I had watched. But after watching like Toei's catalog, like watching Sally, Akko, Mako, Echan, Chappie, Limit, Honey... Megachan was kind of like um she was kind of like a combination of like all of them it's like Toei went and they picked like the best elements from each one of those shows and put them together mm-hmm. because the magical settings are definitely straight out of Sally I mean I think she even oh, yeah. rides in Sally's like carriage in one of the episodes hmm. she has a magical item she has her like pendant um, so that's like very like Akko and Mako mm-hmm. there's a lot of human drama which is very you know reminiscent of like Mako and the things that like she would encounter like but, yeah, there's a lot of social commentary right you got the mascot characters you got like Fudu Fudu and Crow you know like um Fuku from Itchan or Donchan from Chappie mm-hmm. and then there's like the action the sex appeal of Cutie Honey mm. this is the last magical girl show that they did for a while if my memory's correct mm-hmm. and like it makes sense because it I mean, it kind of just seems like they like reached like a point because Megachan is like it's it's a very well put together show. I mean, it has its problems, but it's it's much more polished, especially writing wise compared to like the other ones. Because mm-hmm. like I love Mako-chan. That's like one of my favorites. But like the writing is like so like kind of like everywhere. And there's like a lot of like continuity mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Megachan doesn't have that so much. There yeah. are some like inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. with the characters but like which we'll like get to obviously we're not going to talk about it today but i mean the last episode of Beguchan is so well done and so perfect and mm-hmm. it's just like i feel like it's the only one of those shows where everything kind of comes full circle mm-hmm. like as far as old magical girl shows go although chappy is a close second chappy is a really good ending but anyway. oh interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I haven't watched Chappie yet, so I will be looking mm. forward to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's so interesting. I was trying to remember like when I found out about Meg and I can't recall exactly <laughs> and i think this is just also because i have been a magical girl fan in general for such a long time so like mm -hmm. i distinctly remember when i found out about mako-chan because it was like from finding a you know pre-legitimate crunchy roll <laughs> <laughs> uploads of episodes and stuff yes. there but like yeah. For Megu, like, I remember watching the first episode for the first time because that happened, like, in, I want to say, like, 2018. I was like, I know that that happened when I noticed, like, Toei in general does, like, in Japan, they have, like, the first episodes of pretty much any Toei show you can imagine, uh, unless it's something that they, like, legally cannot upload on, like, YouTube for you to watch. So, like, you can check that yeah. if you would be interested. So I remember watching Megu-chan that way and being like, this looks interesting and i want to know more and <laughs> i didn't necessarily make the connection to sugar sugar rune until later and it was interesting because yeah. like sugar sugar rune is one of my favorite magical girls <laughs> and i love i love shows that really go more into like witch stuff but it still like has mm -hmm. that kind of different like magical girl flavor i guess so yeah this is definitely i think you're right like there's a lot of of sally in this and uh, and Akotan and literally like um Megu's like friend at school uh Roko is like exactly like Moko-chan and it's very funny it's just like she mm -hmm. aged up or whatever um <laughs> but there's definitely something interesting and like different in terms of having like the rivalry and and all that stuff and and despite the fact that it does have like the kind of you know sexualized stuff going on like Cutie Honey does is not as uh, severe as Cutie Honey, I want to say. <laughs> and I don't know if that was like intentional. <laughs> I mean, I'm possibly because I, I mean, that was what NET, that was like their main reason for canceling Cutie Honey was the nudity. And mm -hmm. as, if I'm remembering correctly, there's no real nudity in Meguchan, at least not from like any of the girls. I think like there's a gag with like Chozon where like he, yes. he's like in the bathtub or something. But um, yeah. Like, you get silhouette shots, but they don't ever, like, the most you get is, like, her panties, and they mm. obviously love to draw her in that <laughs> in that see-through negligee, yeah. which I think is so funny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, it's yeah, it's definitely choice, not yeah. as extreme, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely toned down, but it's still there in a lot of mm. ways, which we'll get to, but... Yeah, so I guess talking about the characters, um, should we just start with our... I guess there are two main characters, Megu and Non. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what's interesting is like at the beginning of the show, Megu definitely reads as like a kind of, you know, brash kind of girl. She's very much like the typical magical girl of the time in that like she's very playful and like likes to cause trouble and stuff and, you know, whatever. She's She doesn't take things very seriously at first, but even in the first like 26 episodes as like she starts to like kind of face reality more and more and like try to like grow up mm -hmm. a little bit like she really starts to learn a lot of interesting lessons, I want to say. Yeah, I mean, she's um she's a tomboy for sure. Mm -hmm. Her personality in episode one is so rash. Like it's just... <laughs> I mean, I don't really blame her because, I mean, like, Rabbi is pretty awful, the little boy. But, I mean, she turns it up to, like, 100 in episode one, and she's not like that in, like, the rest of the show. I know they always credit Megu with being, like, the first magical girl to be, like, really expressive and goofy, mm -hmm. which I, I don't 
totally agree with because I feel like yeah. we've seen that like with Mako and, and Honey. But Definitely. I guess it is, it is very common with Megu-chan. Mm-hmm. She's a very fun heroine. She's like any other magical girl. Like, you know, she has a good heart at the end of the day, but she, you know, she likes to pull pranks. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them are so weird, you know, like, they, like she has a disagreement or something with, with Non, and then she like casts a spell and like Non's skirt goes up. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and she she definitely like improves over time. I mean, you, you see like the character development and it's interesting to see how she, because there's so many things in, in the witch world that are different and we like we don't find it all out like at once and we like learn gradually like we mm-hmm. we find out like you know they don't know what family is there's like no concept of family apparently witches don't get sick i think they address that in an episode mm-hmm. it's funny seeing her and comparing her to like the other witch characters in the show because they do have a lot of witches in the show which i think is really cool you know because we, we have non you know mommy there's like an old lady witch that shows up chuck i think was her name there was Leon, who like I want to talk about later, but like Megu is is so different from all of them, you know. And she's she's active and she's like not super stuck up. Like she's the polar opposite of like Non, because Non is very like it's actually funny thinking about it now. She kind of reminds me of Raven from Teen Titans, probably because I just rewatched <laughs> Teen Titans. Fair, but she's yeah. very you know like very much like dark and moody. She's like the original like goth girl, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nod's an interesting one because I feel like they weren't totally sure how to handle her because her writing, I feel like, is a little inconsistent. But mm. we could, we'll get to that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely, it's kind of confusing sometimes with uh, with Nod. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, Meg is, very, Meg is a very interesting um, protagonist for sure because, and I know part of it is because I'm watching a show about a kid and I'm a full adult, but like there are definitely a lot <laughs> of things where it's like, no, this is not the correct path. Like whatever you're doing right now is this is this is bad. But yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, it, it can be a little frustrating at times. But like you want her to learn her lesson or whatever because she's learning the lesson so that people watching at home can learn the lesson. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not sure I always agree with the lesson that they're teaching in the show, but that's also you know. a thing. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that's a whole other issue for sure. <laughs> but yeah, so Nun's very interesting because, like, if I recall correctly, she's like the first ever kind of rival magical girl. Yeah. So that's pretty cool, and uh, she definitely looks different because, like, everyone else, like, including Megu, looks you know, like human or passes for human. And then like you have Non and, and Chosan also. They're like, they have like blue skin and like Non has like blue hair as well. It's just, she's so pale yeah. and it's like, it's like <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but she's very cool, right? Like I, I think that's like something that you can, even though, you know, she's very threatening from the beginning. I think it's, she's very generally like a very cool character. <laughs> yeah, no, she's very cool and collective for the most part. There's a couple of times where she has like, she steps out of like her cool persona, which I think is very funny, but she's super petty. That's what I think is so funny about her is that she, because I mean, Meg is a little petty too. Like she'll do like little childish things, but it, it's just, it's funny when Non does it because Non is, is so like, mm everything's so childish i'm so above this and then Mm -hmm. she'll do something like there's an episode where megu is uh helping some guy who has a hot air balloon Mm -hmm. and for some reason it really pisses off non and she has (laughs) to like thwart their like plans Mm. and there's like no reason for it she just like she hates it she thinks it's stupid right right (laughs) 
<laughs> it's so interesting because <laughs> like sometimes you think like like you said she definitely thinks she's often like above whatever Megu's doing and like will say well I guess I'm winning this round because she's running off and doing something while I'm just like sitting here minding my business yeah. <laughs> she doesn't like really always stop to think about what she's doing or or like why Megu's doing what she's doing you know mm-hmm. it's really fun to see her and like sometimes she will you know help out Megu and sometimes Megu does help out Non as well and there's this kind of idea of like well I need you around because otherwise I don't have a rival you know yes. <laughs> it's kind of fun also yeah. their their dynamic with their families is so different too oh yes because <laughs> Megu it, it's pretty quick for her to like be like okay this is my family you know like past episode one Mm-hmm. She's very much like, you know, like she calls mommy mama, like she calls her, you know, Mr. Kanzaki papa, you know, she refers to her siblings as her little brother, her little sister. Mm-hmm. But with Non, it's very obvious that she like, is it Kiran? Is that her? Um, yes. Her sponsor? It's very obvious that Kiran and Kiran's husband are just her sponsors. Like they're they're not anything else to her. Like they don't mm-hmm. have any like intimate moments or anything. There's mm-hmm. like kind of a little bit with her father in like one episode but like you can tell that it's like neither here or there with non like non's not gonna care whenever she's gonna have to leave you know and she doesn't like really make any friends like i feel like non only hangs out because she has nothing better to do mm-hmm. like megu and roko and everybody will be hanging out and then Nana will like come by and she'll she'll be like well i guess you know <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're like night and day almost yeah, it, it's kind of funny because, like, like yeah, because uh, Hedon is also green, um, which is very funny. But, like, she, yeah. <laughs> you know, just very obviously, like, these are the bad witches. And, you know, she is very, like, haughty. And she definitely, her personality reminds me of, like, the kind of typical mothers of human rivals that we've seen in other classic Magical Girl series, including, you know, yes. Akko-chan. And, uh, you know, she definitely has that air about her. But also she's, like, a witch. And the father is, like... It feels like he's just a human who was just there to be brainwashed that, like, no one has a dad, but, like, they do not have a relationship. Like, he feels like she is his daughter, but she doesn't feel anything. She's like, why would I pretend? Like, we all know you're not my dad. (laughs) It's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like, mommy and her husband, like, they're obviously, like, in love and they're in a healthy relationship. And then Kiran just kind of, like, berates her husband all the time. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, like... (laughs) It's also funny because I think it's like in episode two, like Kiran's talking to mommy and she goes, I can't believe that you would just give up the throne to live with a human. That's just that's just so wild to me. And then mommy goes, you did the same thing. You know that, right? Like she. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also like um, Kiran's voice, the way that she ends her sentences in um, Zamasu. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. she's just so like stereotypically like prim and proper, and she has like the horn rim glasses. Like mm-hmm. she's a very fun character. I'm upset she doesn't appear more often. Yeah, she's she would be fun to have around more often. But if it kind of feels like even if she does give advice, no one doesn't really want to take it. She's just kind of there for herself. In yes. fact, there is an episode where Kiran does try to help out Non, and Non doesn't like it and gets angry at her. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really fun to see their interactions for sure. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, do you want to talk more about like the Kanzakis in, in general? Because they're very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So um, Mr. Kanzaki, he's like a PR agent. Is that what he is? Or he has like a talent agency that he runs? 
I like, I was never really sure exactly because he always says clients, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool because like the father figure in magical girl anime is, is like always like usually like a salary man, you know, like, or like, you know, just like a magical king thinking like, like Akko's father, he was a captain, I think. Mm-hmm. But then, like, Mako's father, when he wasn't the sea king, he just walked around like a businessman. <laughs> like, they all just, yes. like, you know, like, they all just had, like, mm-hmm. office jobs. And it was it was kind of cool to see that, that he was, you know, and then that way they can write all these stories about different clients of his. Like, he mm-hmm. has, like, a used, uh, magician client in one episode. Yeah, like, yeah. A conductor in another one. His his company is, like, a promotional company. So they do yes. organizing those uh, events and, and exhibitions and so on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it is definitely interesting to have him be a little bit more relevant to the plot, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I just, I, I thought so. that was cool. Like, when I was rewatching the show, I was like, he has a really cool job. I feel like you don't, usually see that and Hmm. he's the focus of some episodes too like i think they've done a pretty good job like giving equal amount of focus to all the characters Mm -hmm. because i feel like in other shows you don't you don't get that too much like every time i like rewatch cutie honey i'm like i'm like "Ah, i wish there was like an episode that was just about seiji or an episode that was just about dambe and Mm -hmm. you know in in megachan i feel like they do a good job like making sure everyone gets like highlights you know yeah even in this first arc we do get like time focused on each member of the family and like getting Mm -hmm. to really understand megu's relationship to each of them so that's pretty cool for sure (laughs) yeah Uh, and then we have we have mommy so mommy is an ex-witch i want to say i like mommy's design they made her like a little chubby Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's like another thing you you never really saw. Like she she looks like she's a mother of two. You know, yeah. like she looks like like a middle aged. Not a, she's probably not middle aged. She's probably like in her early forties, maybe. But like I like she looks realistic. You know, and I right. feel like other moms are usually just like hot moms or skinny moms. Or not saying <laughs> that like mommy isn't beautiful, but like she's she's like a realistic like good looking like mother. Like you know. Yeah. But I, I don't know, every time I watch that, because I don't, I don't know if they ever show, like, pictures of her young or anything, but um, every time I, like, see her and the husband, I'm like, they just, they look like a normal-looking couple. Like, they, mm-hmm. like, not, like, really, like, um, shoujo parents, you know, where they're, like, both, they both, like, look like models or whatever, or where they look <laughs> too goofy. They just, yeah, they look yeah. very realistic. Something I find really, really funny about Mommy, and I might be kind of jumping ahead, is that... So she's voiced by, I think, Nana Yamaguchi is the name of the actress. Mm-hmm. And the same woman also voices the Queen of the Magic World, who we do not see for, like, I don't even know. She definitely doesn't show up in the first 27 episodes or 30 mm-hmm. episodes. Um, but we, like, we hear her voice, like, over, like, radio transmissions with Chosan. But she has the same voice as Mommy. And it's, like, kind of distracting because, like, there's no denying that they <laughs> sound exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if this was, like, a way for um, the writers, like, to, like, I don't know, like, present Mommy as, like, a red herring or something or, like, to throw off the viewers. Mm-hmm. Because there's an episode where um, Yamaguchi wasn't able to record for Mommy for whatever reason. So they got Noriko Watanabe to voice uh mommy instead and noriko watanabe is the actress who voiced sister jill in cutie honey mm-hmm. and she was the mother in chappy and if you like look at her filmography she's always voiced moms like if it wasn't sister jill she was voicing like a mother like every character is like mama 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 like on her on her filmography <laughs> but 
they had her fill in an episode as mommy, but then they also had her fill in as the queen. I was like, wow, they're really committed to that. Like they, like, they really like <laughs> just something I thought that was like kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Because as far as I know, they have no like direct connection or anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. but mommy's like a fine character, you know, she's the ex-witch who's now a housewife. Uh, I like that she can still use magic. Like, I don't know. It's probably not as strong as like when she was Meg's age. But, <laughs> you know, because there's always like this thing about sacrifice. Like whenever a magical girl show ends, like they usually give up their powers or whatever. And it, it's nice that mommy is able to live a human life, but still have her powers, you know? Yeah, it's so interesting. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the story continues, like with kind of her. I have a lot of questions about like how it works, <laughs> like with the uh, like a witch staying in the human world and making a family and all of that because like early Mm -hmm. on there is an episode where Apo the daughter does convince herself that like you know if Migu's a witch then I'm a witch because she thinks that she sees something Mm -hmm. and so it's like at least in this arc we don't really get that question answered of like can Apo be a witch like how does that work yeah yeah I always forget about that I was like you know you forget it's like oh Rabi and Apo are technically um, half witch right yeah, but they don't present it that way at all. It's just like, yeah, my human husband and my human children, like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We need a modern day sequel where um, it just focuses on Ravi and Apo uh, exercising <laughs> their hidden magical powers. <laughs> that would be such a fun, like, uh, like a spinoff series. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised they even capitalized that. Yeah, you, know? you would think so. Like, I was thinking, like, they did something like that for Creamy Mommy. They could do the same thing for, for them. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. That would be cute. And just talking about, like, Ravi and Apo in, in general, they're very interesting uh, characters because we have... They're, you know, an older brother, younger sister. Of course, they're both younger than Megu, but they're generally always kind of causing a bit of trouble, but they cause different trouble. <laughs> I still can't quite wrap my mind around why Rabi has, like, a fascination with undressing his sister, because, like, once she's, like, his <laughs> sister, it's, like, kind of it's weird. It's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> but No, no, it's yeah. really, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really gross. See, I always thought that Junpei from honey was very annoying and mm-hmm. it's like if you made him even more annoying and like more of a predator you have rabbi right I, mean, I don't blame megu for constantly wanting to like beat his ass because he like <laughs> yeah he deserves it right um he has like a couple of like good spotlight episodes but i think overall he's just kind of mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. annoying and kind of a brat yeah a- apo's funny she i feel like she's really like vicious in the first episode and then after that she's like more of kind of like the mediator like the voice of reason mm-hmm. uh, like she's usually putting Rabi in his place um, yeah. I also like her little accent because she always ends her sentences in day two it makes yeah. me think of Ebi true <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's definitely a very you know she's, she's a little kid so she talks like a little yeah. kid it's cute yeah <laughs> I think mm. she even says like One Chama instead of One Sama from yeah. Megu. It's, it's just, I know, she has, she has a cute voice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't remember the actress's name off the top of my head, but she also voices Non's mom, Kiran, which is so funny because those are two oh, interesting. completely different characters. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, she's voiced by um, Sachiko Chijimatsu. Yes. Yeah. Who was also a cub in Sally, which is very interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's like a big like magic like people don't talk about this enough she's a big like magical girl veteran because she was in all of the toei magical girl shows because mm-hmm. i i remember when when i was like first watching them, i was like oh well she's not in honey 
and then she shows up as she's like twin panther so mm-hmm. she is in every one of those old Toei Magical Girl shows. And yeah. I think the next one is, Tickle is technically the next one, even though that's not the animation studio Toei, it's the main, it doesn't matter. But right. she's, she's also <laughs> in that one too. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> In general, when you look at like the voice actors for these old shows, a lot of them have been in a lot of the same like Magical Girl shows, especially like Toei. Like they're just clearly like, hey, we like you, come back in for the same exact voice. Because like, I think that's also the case for, like, Boss. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Hiroshi Otake, who yeah. um, who passed away recently. But, yeah, he voices almost every Bond show and Boss character in Magical Girl shows. I think the exception is, like, Limit Chan. Mm-hmm. They, like, finally got somebody else to do the voice work. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's an interesting kind of continuing thing for him to, to have that role. You know, again, like all the connections are fun to make. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Boss is not really like an important character to point out. Just like you know, it's a part of the the Majoko like kind of motif is that you need to have that guy <laughs> at school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so uh, shall we talk about some other like I guess more specific uh, episodes or story arcs with Megu? Yes. I think we talked about it a little bit already, but like the first episode really like they go naturally very quick with the pacing because they're trying to make a fairly episodic show, more or less. So they need to like get the everything set up in one episode. Um, <laughs> so we have her like kind of jumping into the world and meeting um, Dobby first to like immediately causes trouble for her and then um she ends up meeting mommy and they get like everything set up with uh brainwashing again having mommy like just be totally casual about brainwashing her husband and children to believe this (laughs) other witch is also their child is so wild to think about it's apparently fine because (laughs) witch rules i guess (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean they use it in other shows you know i mean this same thing happens in sailor moon Mm -hmm. Uh, it happens in majoku tickle too you know it's just it's just okay for witches to brainwash and gaslight people (laughs) into thinking they've (laughs) always had a daughter well what's interesting is like usually it's like from that person so like for example, like, yeah, in Sailor Moon, it's Chibusa who does that to their family. She's the one doing the action of, like, making them believe that she is their cousin or whatever. Yeah. But then, like, in this case, it's the fact that it's, like, mommy doing it to her own family is the thing that, like, is kind of different for me and, like, kind of wild. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, because even in Sailor Moon, when it happens, it's portrayed in a way that it's not right. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, you know, you're like, who is Chibiusa? Who is this mysterious little girl? And then she does this and you kind of like look at it like, like, oh, she's bad. She must be evil or, you know, but here it's just like, it's totally nonchalant. Like, yeah, we're just going to, you know, brainwash them. It's fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just the way that it plays out. It's just like, huh? What? But yeah, so that that happens and they establish that. And then they also have to establish uh I think it's in the second episode that they establish known and again like that entrance was yeah just like i mean i think it's very 
interesting, especially considering she is the first ever magical girl rival, right? It just mm. like she comes in and she's ready to literally murder the protagonist in the <laughs> second episode. <laughs> it's so it's so intense. What I find weird is that how Non and Megu didn't know each other. Like yeah. I'm surprised they didn't like establish that. And the one manga that I have, they do know each other in the magical world. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, for some reason, because Megu's like, "Who are you?" and she, she's just like, "Oh, I'm Non. I guess you can say I'm your rival." And I mean, I, I guess I know why they did it. I guess so, like, the, the audience also introduced her at the same time. But right. it just, it seems kind of, like, silly. I feel like it would make more sense had they, like, had history together, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, that's interesting to know that it's a little bit different in that iteration. But, yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, again, you're introducing it to the, the, the audience as well, so it makes sense. And, I mean, they could have probably had, like, a little bit of backstory or something, but, you know, there were... They, they, you know, went into this thinking there might be only 26 episodes, so they had to kind of yeah. get through things. I mean, all things considered, it's still very put together, as you've said before, but yeah, it's yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's fun. The production history is, is very interesting because, you know, uh, Mega's predecessor was uh, Miracle Girl Limit, which infamously got canceled because the ratings were terrible. Uh, because it was a very boring show but um you know Toei was like kind of like frantic they like you know they like kind of like put this show together and I think that's why Megu has so many tropes from the other magical girls was because they really needed like a win on their hands Mm -hmm. and it's similar to what happened with Etchan and Mahotsukai Chappi because Etchan failed so then they like you know thought up the plot of chappy and they just they took elements from like each magical girl show that was successful and they had a hit on their hands and that's what happened here they had a hit with Megachan. i don't think they were expecting that like i don't i don't have any like official source mm-hmm. and like we'll talk about it more but i mean the pacing and just the way that things like play out you can tell that they were trying to play it safe and that like you know mm-hmm. if the show was going to be canceled with 26 episodes it would have like ended on an okay note right yeah they were definitely like prepared i think like because mm-hmm. th- i want to say like limit was like a big like really blew up in their face like they were like oh crap this like what are we gonna do now and mm-hmm. uh you know and it was like interesting too because shingo araki and hiroshi uh shirata they were working on Cutie Honey and they had to leave to do immediate work on Mojoku Megachan. And that's why, like, even though Shingo Ayaki is the character designer for Cutie Honey, he only works on two episodes and it was because of Megachan. They're the two men who uh, put together the opening and the ending credits for Megachan. Mm-hmm. So, just all very interesting. The connection between Cutie Honey and Megutan is very clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you even have, I mean, a lot of the staff is actually the same. I mean, the mm-hmm. Masaki Suji is not the lead writer of Majoku Megutan, but he does write a lot of the episodes. Takeo Watanabe does the music for both series. Uh, Shingo Araki does the designs for both. I mean, there's numerous animators that work on both. Even the voice cast, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, Rihoko Yoshida, the voice of Mega, she um, she was Natsuko in Cutie Honey. Mm-hmm. The funniest thing, actually, I can't believe I haven't mentioned this before, uh, Non is voiced by the late uh, voice actress Noriko Tsukase, who voiced Honey's super horny lesbian teacher, Miss Alpha. And, and it's oh so God. funny because they could not be like the most opposite. I did not put that together, but that is very interesting. Yeah, that's... It's so... <laughs> 
funny. And when I found out, I was like, there's no way they're the same, you know. But then there's like a couple of scenes where like Nan's like a little goofy mm-hmm. and you can hear it. Mm. But it, it's it's so wild. I mean, she's a very, very talented actress. But uh, right, right. it was really, That's, really wild. That is the talent <laughs> jumping out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny because, I mean, uh, like there's all of that. Also, like, I mean, for obvious reasons, the openings for both shows sound very similar. So, um yeah, they have the playful like lyrics, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. what's the one line in Meguchan? It's like the the two bumps on my chest are proof I can do anything. Right. It's like translate wild. literally. There's a point yeah. <laughs> there's a point in uh in Meguchan where like cause you know, this happens all the time in most shows, not just for magical girls, but like where characters will for whatever reason kind of like sing the song the opening song in like one place or another or like hum it along or whatever because you just need them to to sing something and there is a scene where mommy is singing the opening and she's singing that line and it's like what (laughs) yeah i was that's one of the episodes i was watching this morning but i think she even changes the words a bit to to like include the word boing Mm mm-hmm I, I could be, but she is clearly seeing it, but I thought, yeah, yeah no, I yeah. thought it was really, it's really like, funny. Oh my God. Uh, Why that line? Okay. <laughs> Interesting. That's cool. But, but yeah, yeah, the, the connections are, are, are numerous. And I think it's really interesting, like, that this is what happened with Megu because, and like, Megu obviously turned out to be a success that lasted for so long. But yeah. this is like a kind of toy tradition, I guess, because this is the same thing that happened with Precure where they had it planned for a 26 I think about 26 episode show after the failure of Ashana Naja and that turned out to be so popular that it's still going almost 20 years later so it's uh yeah did Naja like fail did not it was Naja like a short-lived series I've well, actually never seen it but I've always wanted to yeah I, it's on my to-do list as well so it did last the whole year but it had like terrible ratings and it was really shocking because really? this happened on the heels of like, cause um, Doremi was the one that was right before then, and I know mm-hmm. with with uh, Nadja they were trying to go for like a kind of more classic like candy candy type of series. Yeah, so, that's the vibe that I got from it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very clear. I think so funny, but yeah, it just did, did not work, and it's too bad because from what I hear, like people who watched it, they love it, and it was from that that they had decided they planned for a short series in Precure and then it turned into this so (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah so getting back to other uh, episodes you know the first 12 episodes of the show Tosan is like this character that just is kind of in the background and Megu and Non don't know about him at all they just think that this is all about like the two of them and their rivalry but episode 13 is the episode where they finally put things together and realize that this guy has been like trying to, you know, cause trouble either between them or just like directly targeting Megu and stuff. And that is such an interesting episode. <laughs> they do encounter Chosan at least once before mm-hmm. he's like revealed to be, you know, the investigator. Right. But... They do see Furu Furu and Crow a lot. Mm-hmm. Like they'll make comments of like, oh, there's there's that cat over there or there's that crow. Right. I did think that was that was cool of them to like wait to like not introduce him right away. I thought that was like a good move on their part. Mm-hmm. Also, Chosan is like awful. Chosan is like one of my least favorite like <laughs> characters of all Yes, time. yes. He's absolutely dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like throw the whole man out. Like he's absolutely, <laughs> absolutely terrible. Yes, yes. Also like another weird thing because like uh, I, 
I know we talked about this before. I don't know if I mentioned it actually while we were recording the episode, but I've never watched Megatron from like start to finish up until like recently or or currently, I should say. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea there were so many episodes where Non did not show up. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, this is such a bad move. And it's usually like the really boring episodes. Like, I'm right, just right, like, right. We could have used Non. Yeah. Because I think there's that one point where she doesn't show up for like, I think three or four episodes. I'm like, this is so wild. Like, <laughs> Mega is the only character that appears in every single episode. Right. It's an interesting choice. I mean, I understand why, because she is the, the titular protagonist. But yeah, it's always more fun when no one is around to, at the very mm-hmm. least, comment about what Megu's doing being stupid or something, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> but in this episode, they do kind of gang up together against Chosan, which is really fun. Because mm-hmm. one thing we can say for sure, like, because he is definitely like an antagonist, you know, they do take the time to punish him a lot. Yeah, um, which which is fun. <laughs> so this this is definitely like one of those really fun episodes of like, okay, so um, you're gonna find out what happens when you mess with us. Actually, now that we know that this is going on, and obviously that leads to like for the rest of the series, them always just being like, is this really what's happening, or is Chosun doing some nonsense again? You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and I guess. Um, Oh, just to briefly mention, we don't need to talk about it in detail because, um, you know, Cho does have his uh, his disguises and stuff. But episode 15 yeah. is a really weird episode. Um, <laughs> so um, it probably when it comes to like talking about this show being controversial, I think this is like one of those examples where Cho-san plots stuff out to make it appear as if Papa Kanzaki, we never actually get his uh, his name he's just papa but uh that like he actually has like a mistress and he's like cheating on mommy and it's like (laughs) it's such a wild time it's just like something that like he does not have one just for the record but like it is uh you know a whole thing of um getting the truth behind everything megu trying to figure out oh should i tell mommy what's appropriate here and and all of that and yeah it was just um just very interesting just to point that out um Yeah. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think it was also like a little bit realistic because I think there's that one point where she's like totally convinced that he's cheating on her and she leaves with the kids and goes to a hotel room. Isn't yeah. that what happens? Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that I was like, wow, holy crap. That's really like, <laughs> that's really intense. Uh-huh. I don't know, it brought me back to childhood. But like that, I just <laughs> thought that was really wild. I mean, that's like, that's good to show though. Like, you know, that is for her, that is her appropriate reaction to that scenario were that to yes. be the case, you know? And I think that's good um, to show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just a very interesting episode to to point out at the very least. But I know you wanted to talk about another like one-time character in episode 17. <laughs> yes. Yeah. One of my favorites. Leon is a... She's another witch. She's younger than Megu. I'm assuming she's younger than Megu because she calls her senpai. Right. And she's extremely mischievous. She just like comes to the human world to visit Megu for like just some random reason. They don't really establish what their relationship is, just that they know each other. I guess they're friends. And (laughs) Leon's very funny because she's so bad, but like for no reason whatsoever. Like there's just no rhyme or reason for like why she does the things that she does. So like Megu agrees to like let her stay there, but she's like, we got to hide you. Megu's asleep. 
And so Leon transforms herself into Megu and then like goes downstairs and like just I don't know, like hangs out with everybody. It does does a bunch of like crazy stuff. Like they go out for a drive and then she like gets in a car with some random dude and then like Papa Kanzaki gets mad and Megu when he gets home and he's like, What's wrong with you? You went into some car with some random guy. Like, you know, and then Megu yells at her. She's like, Why did you do that? And she's like, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. And then mm-hmm. like two minutes later, she disguises herself as Megu and then does <laughs> All sorts of horrible things. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite bits in, like, probably the entire show is when she goes in the clothing store. She goes into a, a clothing shop. You know, she's disguised as Meg, and she tries on the dress, and she, like, goes to walk out. And the saleswoman's like, wait. She goes, you need to give me money. And she's like, money? I don't know what that is. Bye. And the woman, like, stops her, and, like, Leon's voice gets really deep, and she's like, shut up! And she puts sunglasses on her face, <laughs> The mm-hmm. woman starts freaking out and falls over. <laughs> it's just, it's so funny. Yeah. Uh, Leon's voiced by um, Kazuko Sawada, who did the voice of Junpei in Cutie Honey. She was Lala in Devil Man. Mm-hmm. She has a great voice because she can sound like really cutesy and bubbly. And then she has like this really like deep, like boyish voice that she uses. And uh, she is just so much fun. It's it's a really, it's one of my favorite episodes. And Non is not even in it. And I like it that much. Yeah, that's that's impressive. Um, <laughs> yeah, she has a cameo, but yeah. To be honest, I don't like this episode, but mostly because like <laughs> this kind of character drives me up the wall sometimes. Like there are ways to yeah. do it where I'm like, okay, I could understand they're causing trouble because they're feeling some sort of way or something, and that's valid. But like, she's just bad as hell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's just. Oh my god! So like. I understand why you like it, but also like this personality type <laughs> would drive me insane in real life. So yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, there's so yeah. many like weird scenes, like when <laughs> when <laughs> sorry <okay>. when um <laughs> when she goes to eat breakfast and Rabbi puts a spider in her soup mm-hmm. and she thinks to herself, she's like, "Oh my gosh, humans eat this!" And then she went, she goes ahead and she eats it. <laughs> like you don't see it but she like drinks the soup with the spider in it mm-hmm. and it's so funny i wasn't like every time i see that scene i'm like i was not expecting that i was not ex- you know <laughs> it's really funny yeah yeah just i think it's a good way to show also like megu's growth from this point also because like you know she's been yeah. on earth for a while and then this girl comes who is basically I mean, in a way, literally what Megu was like at the beginning of the series. And, you know, it, it really shows that, like, she has yes. come a long way, right? So I, it's a it's a fun episode to kind of show that growth and just have, like, witchy shenanigans, I guess. But, yeah, definitely frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Meg chasing Chosan with the with the gardening shears while she's in her see-through negligee. It's just, <laughs> it's just it's so yeah. funny. This mm-hmm. episode's so funny. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of, <laughs> lots of silliness, for sure, all around. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, you know, as we hint at in the, the opening, they do suggest that, like, Megu is kind of would be someone who was willing to, like, flirt around and, you know, capture boys' hearts and stuff. Though we don't yeah. really see that very much. It's like the opposite. Yeah. She's very, like, ace, honestly. Like, she just is. Yeah. Yeah. But do you want to talk about uh, episode seven? Um, you know, with our... Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Episode... Danny Hamilton. <laughs> yes, yeah, Danny Hamilton. I don't even know if he's actually supposed to be American. They say I... that he's from somewhere. He's so I when I was remember. watching it, 
and what my note says like he he says he comes from macedonia which is like huh why that country okay yeah yeah that's what i recall um that's funny even though his name is danny hamilton and he (laughs) speaks english like he he goes excuse me like you know yeah but if i remember correctly this is a masaki suji episode i think i'm pretty sure he wrote this which is very interesting because he also writes episode 25 which we'll get into and i feel like these episodes kind of go hand to hand in a weird way Mm -hmm. but Basically, this is kind of like Megu's first love type of episode. She meets this boy who... I don't even know if he goes to her school. Isn't he just like a guy in the neighborhood? He's just a guy, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, this guy, this this foreign guy falls in love with Megu. And she seems a bit oblivious to it. Like, I mean, she obviously likes him, but not quite on the same level. Mm-hmm. And there's a very interesting discussion in the episode... I like the episode, but the things that they're teaching or trying to teach, I'm not sure if they're <laughs> the greatest. Mm-hmm. There's a particularly bad scene where her father finds out that she's like going out with the boy and then proceeds to teach her how to pour brandy for her future husband. Yeah. Like I that always I mentioned that every time I just could not like it was like record scratch when I saw that I was like, what? Mm-hmm. I was so like upset when I when I watched that episode when I yeah. saw that scene but yeah they go I know they go on a date there's also like a weird love triangle thing because non likes Danny even though it's not fully elaborate it's very weird like as yeah. much as I like non her character writing is kind of inconsistent mm-hmm. but she starts off being like uninterested in Danny just like you know like typical non like ugh, like I don't care right and then she tries to make the moves on him and he rejects her and then mm-hmm. she ends up crying about him at the end of the episode. It was, it was very yeah, bizarre. It does, it does not track for, for anyone's character, basically. Yeah, and yes. it's like he doesn't ever appear again because I think he's like a tennis star who's just like in town for no reason. Um, but because like he makes some moves on Megu and Megu's like, uh, no, I'm not interested in like being this close to you or whatever after like they go to watch a movie. And mm-hmm. when they're seeing this romantic scene of like this couple feeding each other fruits, she's like, wow, those fruits look delicious <laughs> <laughs> instead of like noticing how it's romantic or anything like that. So it's it's very it's very fun. But just yeah, the, the whole scenario just seems to show that like, yeah, this particular thing is not something that Megu is interested in at all, which, again, mm-hmm. doesn't really match with what is being presented in the opening of the show which you know whether it's like accurate or not it's like that's generally the vibes the show is trying to give to the audience every week so it's very interesting that that's like the actual contents of the the show that being that um (laughs) yeah Yeah, because i i really like that scene where he grabs her hand and like kind of like comes in for a kiss and she says firmly no and she Mm -hmm. like runs off and it's sad you know and she starts crying and i don't think she completely understands why she's crying Mm -hmm. i'm not sure if i totally agree with like the message it's trying to send or i don't know like maybe i'm misinterpreting it but i know like i'm watching and i'm like i like this but i feel like this is dated i feel like this is not like the best i don't know because i feel like it almost has kind of like a boys will be boys type of underlying to it Mm -hmm. i could be wrong because obviously danny isn't like a bad guy or anything right but he's still like kind of I don't know what's going something is going on like it's not a good message generally speaking yeah at the very least you know that whole thing with her father and like his advice is like excuse me <laughs> I know that yeah. it pisses me off 
but mean, overall yeah. it's it's a fun episode i really do <laughs> like the scene when they're in the movie theater you know i like the the movie is in english and there's japanese subtitles like i think that's that, that was very cute mm-hmm. so very realistic experience yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> mm. A lot of fun and um, very, very interesting just to kind of get that side of Megu and just kind of, especially because it's an early episode, it kind of gets that idea out of the way in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, how does she feel about love and like, how will she learn love? And it's like, well, she learned she's not interested right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she'll have other love interests mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they will all be voiced by Akira Kamiya for some reason. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to like listen carefully for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on. I guess, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get to the kind of final three or four episodes? Um, well, I mean, I, I mean, we kind of talked about this like very briefly, but I guess now I'm, I'm asking you the question. Uh, how, how did you feel about the scenery of Megu-chan? Because it has a very distinct European feel. Like it definitely mm-hmm. looks like Italy, like Germany even though it's still obviously in Japan. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought it was pretty interesting that they went down that route, like to have it. Yeah, um, yeah. So obviously European. <laughs> I think, you know, this happens a lot for different reasons. Like where it's like when you look at the characters by name and also just by like how their school system is and stuff like their school looks definitely very Japanese. Um but the environment otherwise doesn't. And part of me wonders if that is in a way trying to also appeal to like a foreign audience and like appeal to the possibility of licensing or something like that. But um, Mm -hmm. we definitely get that so much in the 70s in particular, I feel like, because, you know, this is around the same time as we're getting like World Masterpiece Theater is uh, thriving. Mm -hmm. And then... um, you know, I'm also thinking about this because I'm also in the middle of watching uh, Loon Loon, which is the next toy animated magical oh, girl yeah, series. Oh, yeah, that's right. You you keep on posting uh, screenshots <laughs> of Loon Loon with weapons. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's very fun because, like, it's, a, it's also a very wild magical girl series. But, like, you know, that yeah. followed, like, Candy Candy. I feel like that's, like, the thing after Megu, basically, where, yeah. you know, you have these these characters that are, like, either in Europe or in the US and like just outside of Japan. And it's not like out of place for me. I feel like it kind of almost makes sense. Like this place is definitely like it's Japan, but it's not Japan. And that's fine because it kind of suits the otherworldliness of like this world of magic and stuff. And again, also just makes it very easy to like transport to another country and then put other names on it and stuff and pass the characters off as as non-Japanese. Um, I don't know if I feel any particular way about it, but it's like an interesting kind of recurring thing that happens on occasion. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good question. You well, know? <laughs> another thing, and I always forget about this, but for whatever reason, the Kanzaki family are Christian. Oh, yeah. And I find that really funny. That's true. Because they're distinctly Christian. Like they go to church, they, you know, they say grace before dinner it's it, it's just so funny because you know like the whole thing like with witches and everything it, it's just it's funny that it, you know this witch gives up being a witch and then becomes a christian <laughs> yeah <human>. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's a good point very, yeah very it is yeah. um interesting for sure <laughs> yeah i don't know it was it was a very like i don't know like someone was like this like we it's gonna be a european setting 
the dad is going to be a PR agent and they are going to be Christian. Like it, it's very, <laughs> very funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I guess in that case, do you want to talk about the, um, I guess the problematic episodes first and get those out of the way and then talk about the final ones? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> So what's the problematic one? Is that episode 21 or 22? So the two from this, I guess, arc that were never aired outside of Japan are 22 and 25. Now, 22 makes sense to me because it's about a boy who commits suicide three, four times, like a lot, um, or attempts suicide, I should say. And then um, the 25... I kind of understand why, but I don't really understand why. It's a weird episode in general, but I don't know if it's mm. like... So, yeah, <laughs> Italy is the reason why these episodes are skipped. I mean, mm-hmm. I, like, we can't say for sure if these dubs, or if these episodes were skipped in, like, the Cantonese dub or the French dub mm-hmm. or the Spanish dub, just because, like, we don't know how many episodes were dubbed. They're just, they're hard to find. Right. But like the Italian, the Portuguese dubs, which are like the main ones that you can find, they skip these episodes. Mm-hmm. And the reason just seems to be death. Yeah. Obviously the the first episode they skip, it's because it's about a kid who keeps on trying to commit suicide. So they obviously like didn't want to touch on that. Right. right. Episode 25. I feel like it's kind of silly that they didn't include that episode because the problematic things that happen in that episode like the slap is stuff that like the Italian dub didn't care about because every other slap <laughs> in the series is cap. So uh-huh. I think the idea that like about the character being dead, like at the end, like the reveal at the end that he died, I think right. like that probably, I don't know. They, they could have gone away with, with dubbing mm-hmm, that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, 25 stands out as just being a weird episode, but because mm-hmm. it was one of the band ones, I do want to kind of like touch upon it a bit. So you know, it is an episode where at the beginning we see this boy who watches Noam go to school every day, which is kind of uh, weird, but okay. And then um, one day there's like this creepy thunder and everything. And then this boy shows up and is like, oh, yeah, I'm coming to school now. Like I've been home for a while, but, you know, and then they have like this whole thing with like this kind of romance situation with them. And yeah, at the very end, it's revealed that he actually was a ghost he died Mm. so it's like an interesting kind of shocking reveal and and honestly an interesting standalone episode in itself but like it's yeah i don't know what what did you think about this episode (laughs) growing up i really liked it i think watching now as an adult i have mixed feelings about it Mm -hmm. as far as i know it's the first non-centric episode so it's it's like a big like non-episode I do like it. I like the premise. I like the music. I forgot the name of the guitar song that June plays. I think it's uh, Romanza de, de Amor. It's it's like from some famous like old movie. Mm-hmm. It's a well-directed episode. I just don't completely agree with the message in it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's, of course, there's the scene where, where June slaps Non and in a way, it was kind of like Moonlight before there was Moonlight. Like, it was a very, like, snap <laughs> out of it type of, like, Oh, my God. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> but I know I probably ruined it for you now. But um, No, that's kind of funny. <laughs> it wasn't okay. Because, I mean, this is a show about girls for girls. And you're sending this message that it's okay for a guy to hit a girl to, like, 
prove how much he cares about her so she realizes how much he cares about her it's just it, it was yeah. not good i mean i adore misaki suji i know it's a different time this mm-hmm. episode's pretty good for the most part but just that bit really like really yeah. upsets me but it, it is a good non-episode it's nice to see her being more vulnerable she's like a little subdued in this episode which i wasn't crazy about like mm-hmm. there's there's that scene where the boat explodes and she goes i'm scared and it just that's so like not non right. i guess it was trying to illustrate like her being a little more open with june i always like that that last scene where like they talk to june's mother and the music starts playing and then it like closes with non playing the guitar mm-hmm. yeah, that, it's a pretty good episode overall mm-hmm. also what I, I don't know if this was intentional or if they just had a limited amount of like stock music but the piano song that June plays, Non plays in the next episode when mm. she's like just kind of like struggling with a bunch of feelings. And I wonder if that was like intentional to like as like a nod to June. I think it was. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool because the, the series has a pretty good continuity. Like I haven't noticed like a lot of like plot holes or anything. Mm-hmm. Character inconsistencies, but otherwise like they refer to like to previous events and like they make right. it very clear that Megu doesn't know who Chosan is and all that for a while. Right. But yeah, no, I did like episode 25. The main director, Yugo uh, Serikawa, directed this episode. I think this was the second or third episode he directed after episode one. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, just a, just an, uh, a tidbit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a it's it's a very interesting like a standalone episode, if you will, but mm. yeah. And then yeah, so just to also briefly touch upon 22, which again, very very clear why they didn't air this in the dub is about a boy at um Mega school named Shinsuke who finds out at the beginning of the episode that we already see that he's kind of like a bad boy. He's like stealing money from another student and stuff. And like Mega's trying to like stop him from being bad. And then he gets the news that his father might have killed himself. And he like runs away and tries to struggle with like the meaning of life and and trying to understand why this happened. And then he first like tries to jump in front of a train and then uh, Mega stops him. And then he's at the hospital and he tries something else. Like he tries jumping out the window, I think, the second time. And, mm. you know, Mega happens to be outside and sees and like is able to stop him with magic again like she makes it look like other things are stopping him right obviously but yeah still stopping him and so he's starting to wonder if this is a good thing and maybe if he's like being protected by death and he also noticed of course after the second time that like all the other kids at school even though he was literally a bully and everything were like no we don't want you to go and here's a bunch of flowers and presents and stuff so he's getting basically the wrong idea mm. So after the third attempt, he decides to do something even more like elaborate and public to try to get more attention and stuff. And so Mega's like, how do I fix this problem? It's really intense. Again, I understand why it was not included because her solution is to basically egg him on. And then she was planning to save him at the last minute, but something else does stop him from actually dying. And then I think at the very, very end, it turns out that his father was, in fact, okay. But like, it's just... It's a lot, and yeah. I don't know the purpose. I, I can't figure out the lesson, basically, like why they needed to make this episode, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, it was, yeah, it's a very <laughs> bizarre episode. I also just didn't think it was that 
good of an episode. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, it didn't really leave an impression on me. Out of all the skipped episodes, I think this is the one where I didn't really care for it. I feel like mm-hmm. this was you know, like any other episode from, from before that I didn't like. Sure. You know. Yeah. It just like, it's really <laughs> wild. It's really out there. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> and um, while it's not one that was... Um, like a band from the dub or anything. I do think we do need to talk about the problematic episode 23 as well. Um. Yes. Um, it's kind of funny. This was the episode that they didn't skip. I know, this right? This is the one that they got. This is so, it's so peculiar. But yeah. This episode's very, it's something. Uh, the worst part <laughs> about the episode is that it has like inspired so many fan artists and so many like creepy fans Mm -hmm. because like when i was first like on the internet looking up like megu stuff all i could find was things about this episode like everyone was talking about this episode Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's very bizarre i want to mention the director is uh kazukio uh shigeno who mm-hmm. did the Paradise Academy episode of Cutie Honey, and it's mm-hmm. very obvious. <laughs> okay. He's a great director, but, like, these episodes kind of, like, are almost like soul sisters. Like, it's, it's very <laughs> funny. Um, uh-huh. But for listeners at home, this episode is essentially about Chosan wanting to humiliate Megachan, so he makes a cuckoo clock that will hypnotize anyone who looks at it and, like, make them strip. Yeah. So... He puts it, I, I think it like ends up in her house. No, he, he leaves it in front of her front yeah, door. Yeah, he leaves it in front of her front door and she's like leaving for school. And like, Roko's like, hey, doesn't our teacher need a new clock? And they just take <laughs> it with them to school and give it to their teacher. Like, just like this a random clock that they found outside the house, which is like. Didn't Roko also want to give him the clock as a way to like, I don't know, because wasn't she worried about a test or something? Like, didn't yeah, she want to like yeah. use it as a type of way to bribe him? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, by the way, I like Roko a lot. I think we didn't really get to talk about her, mm-hmm. but um, Roko's like a very cute character. I think she's really funny. She unfortunately stopped showing up by episode 30. Yeah, they, like, she replaced got replaced. Her with another, yeah. yeah, which I guess we'll talk more about that whenever we do part two. Mm-hmm. But Roko's very cute. And I don't know if you noticed this, but they don't have a definitive voice for her. Yeah. So they always have Keiko Yamamoto, who's Rabi, or Noriko Tsukase, who's Non, fill in as Roko. And it seems like they just flip a coin because those actresses are almost always on the show. Well, Keiko, I think, is in every episode because I think Rabi's in almost every episode. Right. But they just, like, anytime Roko, like, is on screen, they just, they ask... I I just imagine they're just like okay who's gonna do it today like it's just it's so funny mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they did her so dirty like <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I haven't met her replacement yet but she looks visually like a clone a copy of uh of Moko Chan right from Akko but she's definitely like she has her own personality you know like she feels like she's kind of like the everyday teen that's supposed to be almost like the the kind of stand-in for the audience I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. And like I and I feel like she's in a fair amount of episodes and like mm-hmm. scenes. That's why it's it's all the the stranger when she just like gets like written off the show because it's right. it's not like in Sailor Moon where like the side characters like Naru and Umino like slowly stop appearing. Right. She just like randomly just doesn't show up anymore and mm-hmm. then 
she's like reduced to like background appearances, which is kind of funny because when you watch later episodes, you're like, oh look, there's there's Roko in the background, like there's <laughs> there's Roko in it and a, a appearance with no lines, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this episode, so like obviously the 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 concept of the clock is wild. We also see like. The way that they test that it works is like on themselves. So we see it work on <laughs> Joseon and also on Crow. Like Yeah, he starts he starts picking up his feathers. Yeah, it's like a it definitely reminded me of like really, really old school. I mean, obviously of the time cartoons where you would see a bird pluck its feathers and like the idea of a naked bird is like a featherless bird, you know. Yeah. Just like that classic thing. But it was yeah, it was very silly, very goofy. And we see that it, it works on the teacher and then, you know, Mega tries to like disable the clock, break it, and um ends up getting uh struck by the, the magic as well. And it's just like really it's it's such a wild episode. And then it's later on that like uh, once again Chill tries to um, you know, again, humiliate her, and this leads to like uh, him. I think it's like he enchants her bathtub, like while she's out of the house. He puts like wheels on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then, like when she's taking a bath, then the wheels come out, and she just gets wheeled outside of her house while she's naked in a <laughs> bathtub. It's like, what is happening? Oh my god. So, I mean, yeah. I could understand for, like, young viewers this, like, doing something to them, but it's, like, really unfortunate that this episode exists at all. <laughs> and, again, yeah. wild that it got used in the dubs, too, because... I mean, there, yeah. there are plenty of funny parts. Um, like, I like when the teacher streaks past Non and she, like, passes out and is, like, yes. like red in the face because we never see her get that goofy. But, like, overall, I mean, the the whole, like, premise of it is like pretty gross thankfully they don't like you never actually see megu naked like i think even when she strips down her underwear like it's they don't even underwear. show like her full body yeah but even like in the bathtub like you never like see anything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah no it's a it's a really like even the way that like non destroys the clock she does like that etching of like a little snoopy dog and then it like comes to life and destroys the clock it's so it's just like a weird episode yeah, for sure. It's it's a lot, but it's um it's there, so we have to talk about it. So, you know, it's just like yeah. a standout what is happening here episode. <laughs> and I mean, and older male fans, like I mean, they love those like I mean, sometimes sometimes it is like funny. I mean, obviously like I'm a gay guy, so I don't I nothing about Megu or any other girls do anything for me, but mm-hmm. it's just it's so funny having these kind of like Benny Hill scenarios where like you know like Megu's running and her like see-through negligee and then it like gets caught on a door and like gets yanked off of her like really like I don't know just like goofy stuff like that sometimes it's like a little excessive like I think that Rabi definitely crosses a line Chosan definitely crosses a line mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah I saw there's a certain figure of Megu that you can get that comes with a creeping Chosan with like his, yes, it's like yes. his, with his uh his uh what's it called his telescope out or whatever um mm. it's not binoculars because it's only one of them but it's <laughs> yeah no, I know you're, the word escapes me too I know what you're yes, talking yes. about <laughs> yeah and it sucks because there's like there's this artist that I really like I forgot their name it's a Japanese artist and he does like a lot of Megu-chan art and it's all like really gorgeous but like most of it is just like based off that episode or it's like upskirt shots or oh my you God. know yeah he released a, a dozenshi recently and i was like thinking about buying it because i'm like i do like his artwork but like everything is just like 
Megu's clothes get ripped off. Megu gets hypnotized. Like it's just like it's Jesus. Not worth it. but, <laughs> yeah, but I mean it's... that's like a lot of mm-hmm. older male fans and yeah. This is the one last thing. We'll, like I'll, I'll mention, but uh-huh. um, I got this Megu-chan book years ago. I don't have it anymore. It was like part of a collection, but it was half Megu-chan, half Hanonoko Lunlun. But the middle section had like a collection of like all her like panty scenes or like panty shot scenes. Oh my God. But it was funny because in English it was titled Megu-chan super pink shot. Hmm. And I just thought it was so yeah. funny. It was just so silly and just dumb. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was seeing that there's like, um, cause you know, there's like those, I, even now we still have those. It's kind of like books that, you know, show the events of an animated series in book form or whatever. And there is one for this episode. And it's like, w- w- why? <laughs> why really? do you have it? <laughs> it's like that That basically just becomes like a kind of pornography. It's just very unfortunate. And, you know, mm-hmm. obviously part of it is like, well, they made the episode. So they probably could have guessed this might happen. This is kind of like intentional, I guess. But, you know, of yeah. course, we have to mention, like, Megu is a child, right? She's a teenager. So, yeah, she's 15. Yeah. So it's just always inappropriate. And it's, it is mm-hmm. unfortunate, but like, it is also like, there's also like, if, if they grew up with it and they were, you know, younger than her and then like saw her as like older or something, it's obviously generally just not a good look. Please don't draw like panty shots of Megu and well, begging. <laughs> what, what I've noticed, I mean, so the, the Japanese artist that I mentioned, I think he did grow up with the show. So I guess like there's kind of like, mm-hmm. I don't know, not like completely defending him because I mean, right. you know, but usually his stuff is like PG, you know, but a lot of fans that I have like come across like male fans, they've always been like older who got into it older. And that's like what kind of bothers me. I don't know. Right. Like, yeah. That's there. It's like, what? what? <laughs> no. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I mean, it's still a problem <laughs> with magical girl fandoms to this day. So, you know, it's just, yeah. uh, just a fact that we have to like <sighs> deal with and, and all that heavy sigh. But yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, shall we talk about the kind of ending here? I guess the ending of this arc. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like we're doing like the ending and then we're doing like technically, I guess, the first episode of the next arc. Yes. <laughs> it's fine. It's all good. It's all yeah, good. Yeah. But yeah, episode 26, you can tell that they definitely wrote this episode as a way that like, okay, if we get canceled, this will be like a decent ending because like it does, it does work as a pretty good ending. Like obviously it would, it would have been open-ended, but like it, it, it works in the big scheme of things. Um, but essentially the episode is about non like feeling very vulnerable, like feeling like she's lost. Like, you know, mm-hmm. she, she says like, Megu has so much confidence. Megu has so many friends. Megu, it's like, it's easier for Megu. And it's just, it's so funny because she's she's never really been like that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this happens after the June episode, just mm-hmm. like, it works really well. Right. But since she's feeling so down about it and she's like contemplating just giving up, Kidon and Chosan like make up a plan to mess with Megu and... Non gets word of it and she gets she gets pretty pissed about it. She doesn't mm-hmm. she didn't appreciate it. And so she intends to go back to the magic world and uh Megu gets wind of it somehow and like she kinda like boasts in her face and she was just like, Well, you know, if if you want to go, then go ahead. But I think that maybe we should have like a battle or whatever. Right. Uh, I can't remember that's exactly how it goes down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So words. like she challenges her for the sake of like, yes. you know, inspiring her like, this, okay, if you're going to go out, we want to go out with a fight, you know? Yeah. yeah. And there's this great 
fight, you know, in this magical realm. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they patch things up. Mego ends up saving Non, and it's it's always, you know, well, you're my rival after all. I need you as my rival. I can't, you, know, you can't just die. <laughs> yeah. And then they go, and then they they chase Chosun around in a car. <laughs> you know, and then yeah. Megu says something like, you know, like this is only the beginning, or you know, mm-hmm. it was a really good episode. It was yeah. it was very good. But when I watched it, I was like, oh, this definitely could have been the finale for sure. Right. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Again, like you said, the animation for the battle is so fun. There's a lot of really creative animation yes. generally with this show that I really appreciate. It's a typical 70s series for being like really trippy sometimes and just having mm-hmm. really a lot of fun with colors and stuff. So yeah, it's like, it's really fun to see this part, like see them in action. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the animation director for this episode, he, he had previously worked on Chappie and Limit he did really good work on those. And with Megu-chan, his style gets a little more exaggerated. Like if you compare this episode to episode two, which was his first one in the series, mm-hmm. the characters looked a bit, look a bit more stretched out, but his animation is like very fluid. Like him and his animators, like his team, like they're very, there's so much movement and like the expressions are really well done. Mm. And it like really, really shines during that battle scene. Cause I mean, there's a lot of shots where like non- and Megu looks so rough because they're so exaggerated. But the the movement of the characters is just it is really like experimental and fluid. And it's he's a great animator. He does a lot of like great episodes throughout mm-hmm. the series. Takao Hanata. He would later go on to do the character designs for um I think it's new Aim for the Ace. It was one one of the Aim for the Ace remakes. Okay. <laughs> But he's yeah he's he's a pretty solid animator and he stays with the show until like the very end. I think he does like episode seventy one. Mm-hmm. He does like a lot of work. Hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, it's just yeah, <laughs> definitely stands out as yeah, obviously like this episode could have been the end, but it's not. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but of course, uh, once you do get the the okay to continue your series, you know they have to figure out what to do next so episode 27 as you requested <laughs> we're going to talk about that too the uh, curse of of scorpio it's a definitely a very interesting like departure considering that like it is right after this kind of finale it's like definitely the start of something new you could easily start the show from here if you wanted to for some reason mm-hmm. and yeah it's like you know as you established before like witches don't get sick but mommy is sick and we see that she recognizes she has a a mark on her on her hand that looks at first just like a bunch of dots but by the time megu finds it, it has become the shape of a scorpion rash and uh when she goes to try to figure out like what's going on uh, meanwhile we see that with chosan there's someone who is giving offering him a lot of money to help her out <laughs> and um there's all that that fun there and we kind of get this this idea like someone is someone is coming for megu and by the end she gets kind of tricked by this old lady it's a very like classic kind of thing right the little old lady witch who turned out to be like this powerful evil queen and specifically like the queen of darkness, Saturn, um, not <laughs> Satan, definitely not Satan, um, Saturn. Yep. <laughs> it's a very, again, a very interesting, very beautifully animated uh, episode because this whole like battle with Saturn is in like the land of constellations, which is really trippy. And yeah, it's just very, very interesting. 
Hmm. Yeah, this was the first episode that I watched. Wow. The reason why this was the first episode that I had watched is because um, the very first scene opens up with um, with Honey, with Misty Honey specifically, her singer persona <laughs> yes. performing the Cutie Honey theme song mm-hmm. on TV. So I like I heard about that, like and I was like, oh, I gotta see this, and so I saw that, and it was. It was, I mean, it's it's a really mm-hmm. cool scene. Uh, this episode is handled by uh, Hiroshi Shirata and also animated by Shingo Araki, mm-hmm. who both worked on Cutie Honey. They both left Cutie Honey to work on this series. Uh, I think this is the first episode of Megu-chan they worked on mm-hmm. together. Um, and they make a good team. They did the Mermaid episode of Cutie Honey, if that gives oh, okay. you any idea yeah. of like how well they work together. Makes sense. Yeah. So, but like, as you said, there's like beautiful animation. There's good teamwork with Nan and Megu. The battle is really good at the end of the episode. It's funny because it's very much recycled from episode, I think, 14. There's like another episode where they battle some like random Mm -hmm. witch. And the like, the the choreography is like almost exactly (laughs) the same. The animation's better on this episode, but like Mm -hmm. very similar. Um. And I, I love Saturn. Uh, unfortunately, Saturn only shows up in, I think, four or five episodes, which is such a bummer because I think she's a great villain mm-hmm. to have. Um, she's also, I don't know if you caught this, she was voiced by uh, Masako Nozawa, who's infamously Son Goku in Dragon Ball. Yes, yes. She's also one yeah. of the prolific voice actors who has been doing Magical Girls since um, Sally. Yeah. But yeah, she's... <laughs> very iconic obviously these days most famously known for dragon ball uh for being every character in that family tree <laughs> i think she also voiced the other old witch chuck in this series uh, but i can't i can't remember off the top of my hand let but me I'm double check sure she did. that sounds like possibly right but let me let me go look up here um yes you're correct that i did not put together so that makes sense she is yeah again a constant in voice acting in general obviously but also in magical girls yeah yeah (laughs) yeah but saturn is a super cool character a very serious character her design is so cool she's like this like harley quinn type of design Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's funny uh hopefully i'm not like jumping ahead so in her other appearances like i said i think she has like four or five appearances after the first two her design changes for some unknown reason. I don't know (laughs) if it was just because, hey, it was the 70s or what, but there's Mm -hmm. like one episode where she has like a totally different color scheme, like like really random. Like Mm -hmm. her hair is blonde and her like mask is green. It's it's crazy. And then like one of her last appearances, she has her face is purple. Hmm. It's so weird. I don't know why they decided to do that. But yeah, she does show up a bunch of times and almost every time she has a different design. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I have to look out. But yeah, for no, that. this is a fun action packed episode. I think <laughs> it's a great like introduction to it. I mean, you could start the show here. Mm-hmm. I do like the scene where um Nan chases Chosan with her yes. uh, with her motorcycle. <laughs> That's very funny. And she's wearing uh Hurricane Honey's helmet, which I also find very funny. Oh, interesting. I did not catch yeah. that. <laughs> but you yeah. would you would definitely catch something like that. <laughs> of course, yeah. But. Yeah. Again, like Cho is a terrible villain who, you know, just there's nothing good about him. But we constantly see him getting punished for his actions, which always feels very rewarding. <laughs> it's very satisfying. Just yeah. just wait until you get to the finale. Trust me, it's very, oh, very boy. satisfying. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So is there anything else that you wanted to talk about with regards to Megu in general, like for this first arc? Um, no, I just, uh, if you, you know, for our listeners out there, if you can watch it, watch it. I think it's it's really good. I think it's a, Megu I see as kind of like a transition from classic magical girl into more modern magical girl, even though mm-hmm. there's so many dated things about it. And I mean, it's almost 50 years old now. Sure. But yeah. I just feel like so many tropes in Megu-chan are very prominent in later things. I mean, with the magical rivals, you know, with the, mm-hmm. with the changing memory is so you, they think that you're their long lost cousin or sister, <laughs> or whoever, you know, evil villains, you know, that wanting to become the queen of the magic world. I mean, there's so many elements that have been reused over time to the yeah. point where I'm surprised that they haven't tried to remake Megu-chan. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't seen Sugar Sugar Room, but when I read the premise, it was like, oh, this just sounds like a Megu-chan ripoff, which I'm sure it <laughs> isn't. But like on mm-hmm, paper, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is, it's like with, with Sally and Chappie, it's like, oh, this is a Sally the Witch ripoff. Like that, right, that's, right, right. that's like the vibe that I got. Yeah. Okay. So again, Sugar Sugar Room is one of my favorites. And I think especially the comic is really good very interesting because like Moyogano is like one of my favorite comic artists but yeah. the premise sounds similar but the difference is like Chocolat and Vanilla are best friends and so like even though they're rivals in terms of possibly becoming the next witch queen they're still like besties and they don't want to break up their friendship and then there's like other people in the getting in the way of that and it's also like specifically more about romance because they're trying to like basically uh seduce boys in order to collect their hearts and uh use them as money <laughs> that definitely sounds like a moyoko ano type of story <laughs> yeah yeah so like love is literally currency um and then once they steal that heart then like the boy forgets his feelings or whatever it's fun mm-hmm. it's definitely it's definitely fun um i i highly recommend it's it's very cute it's definitely like it takes from megu to the point of like like chocolat's scheme is very similar in terms of her coloring to megu-chan and she uses she has a heart pendant and heart uh, a heart Mm. wand while uh vanilla is uh, all about like blue and purple and diamonds so it's like the connections are very clear there's no way it's not related in that way it's definitely feels like i guess if anything it's like an homage you know yeah that's like no for sure because like obviously i didn't put it together because i wasn't familiar with megujan at that time but i'm sure for many readers of magical girl series and like viewers of magical girl series if they recognize megu then it's like very clear like this is like you know this kind of the next step you know in that way but mm-hmm. yeah it would be interesting to see them renew like remake that because like right now we're in this like thing of like people trying to revisit 90s and 2000s magical girls so they're not going far back as much right now but it would be nice to see i would appreciate it yeah for sure (laughs) i'm just surprised it hasn't happened just like i don't know just because it's so it's pretty well known like i mean there's there's always like i feel like merchandising going on with megujan like there's like collaborations with brands yeah i think it was like in high school clamp did like a, a drawing of non and megu in one of their art books okay i just found the art that clamp did of megu and non and i don't know why i'm surprised at how this looks but <laughs> it is interesting it's so funny because the commentary too was something like we try to make their outfits less sexy what and like <laughs> i'm sorry and I'm like, if anything maybe tokyo pop mistranslated but uh-huh. like i think that was their commentary they're like we try to make it look less sexualized and i'm like you 
You made it more sexualized. Yeah, like you removed Noan's clothing. Like, what happened? It's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a choice. I mean, they're they're cute. Like, it's a cute interpretation, but that's definitely not what I would say about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was very funny. That's clamps. What do mm-hmm, you expect? Mm-hmm. But yeah, know. it's a very uh, clamp yeah. thing to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm totally for a new Megatron. I would I would watch it. I know. Yeah. Because I think it would work. I mean, it's an interesting premise, and I feel like there's so many things you can do with it. You know, mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. set it at any time. It doesn't have to take place in the 70s. It can take place in the, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it would be very easy to modernize uh, for sure. So I hope that we can get that in the future. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess since that's everything, um, we can finally get to our final question, which is. Um, what Magical Girl series are you hoping to explore next that you haven't checked out yet? Oh, let's see. Um, well, I finished Melmo. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot that I want to rewatch. Like, I still want to rewatch Maku-chan because it's one of my favorites. I would also like to watch more of Sally because I've watched a decent amount of Sally, but I haven't watched the entire thing. There's a lot, so that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um... I did watch, I don't know if it counts, I can't remember the name. What's the one with the magical princess and the girl in the red hood? Oh, Cha-Cha. Yes, Cha-Cha. So I watched the first episode of that. I watched the English dub, which was, I think, like from the Philippines or something. And that was, that was cute. I like that. So I think maybe I would watch that or Super Oink. (laughs) That one looks really cute to me too. Mm. So I don't, yeah, I don't know if I have any on my radar i just there's a bunch that i really want to like rewatch. Mm. so yeah i think Sorry. you'll like cha-cha <laughs> for sure <laughs> cha-cha's a lot of fun yeah you know i liked the first episode it was very funny like even mm-hmm. with the english dub because the dub was like uh, was like okay but i was like this is i was like i like it i like the premise it's funny it's cute mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so. definitely very adorable <laughs> mm. great so thank you so much for coming back on sparkle side chats thank you for having me <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, where can people find you and follow you online to talk about Megachan and other magical girls? Uh, so, as you know, I'm always on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is RetroSofa. On Instagram, I'm RetroSofa.inc because that Swedish guy still has RetroSofa for some reason, even though he doesn't use his account. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I am also on Tumblr, but nobody's on Tumblr anymore. But I am on Tumblr. Um, uh, under retro sofa uh, mm-hmm. and I'll go there and I'll like ramble into the abyss about like anime that I'm watching uh, <laughs> I did do a write-up about Megu-chan last year I think I wrote about an episode that you're gonna watch soon so mm-hmm. yeah. exciting okay <laughs> <laughs> definitely looking forward to it yeah mm-hmm. great but yeah thanks again for having me yeah (laughs) definitely uh great so with that i hope you have a good rest of your day (laughs) thanks you too Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. If you like what we do here, please subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested.
Those are the best free ways to keep the podcast going. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparklesideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlIU, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at SparklesideChats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a person you want to hear as a guest by filling out the form in the show notes. You can also join the Discord for this podcast to talk about magical girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Look for the link in the show notes. Those show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at co-fee.com slash You can also commission me for art there or buy a print on my imprint page. With a Ko-fi monthly membership, you can get bonus content, announcements about episode topics, a Discord role, and your name read aloud on the podcast. Another way to support us one time is by buying something off the Amazon Japan wishlist. This helps with getting more access to Magical Girl content that we can discuss in future episodes. Feel free to purchase from the use section as we are not picky here. If for some reason you can't figure Amazon Japan out, no worries. Feel free to send the money for it via Ko-fi and let us know what you want us to buy. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at a few bruises. Thanks again for listening. And remember, you are magical. <laughs>